Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Celebrate the summer at Cold Stone Creamery with our new confetti cupcake ice cream. It's the ice cream with the party mixed right in. Made with edible rainbow glitter and frosting, it'll make your summer extra sweet. Try it in our party like a cupcake creation. Confetti cupcake ice cream mixed with Kit Kat, rainbow sprinkles, yellow cake, and cake batter frosting. Taste the new confetti cupcake ice cream. Available for a limited time only at Cold Stone Creamery. Making fresh batches of ice cream in every store. Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes it can be much harder when you feel like you're becoming a target. Gotta embrace the fools. I let them all know that they're looking in the mind of a monster. Looking for anybody who wanna regard them. I don't want any money, I wanna leave them hard. I just wanna tell them if I had them my way, you'd have never had a motherfucking heart to start with. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off the Rails Radio with your host, Tom Wing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Off the Rails Radio. You just heard my new intro for my podcast, and I've been fooling around with this new uh, program I downloaded called Audacity, and I I kind of feel like a musical engineer now. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Tonight, as you know, we have a very special guest. He is a he's the current wrestling manager. Um, he I won't I ain't gonna say he's a former because as uh, Gibbs on NCIS, there is no such thing as a former Marine, but he is a United States Marine, and I am I am humbled and glad that he ha- was able to take his time out to be on my show tonight. I want to introduce everybody to Scott Diamond. Are you with us? I'm with you, Tom, and uh, right off the bat, you know, I, I want to thank you for having me on your program and uh, for those kind words you just gave me. You know, uh, it was my privilege to be on the show and to be a Marine, and for you to give me those kind words, uh, I'm humbled. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Uh, before we get into it, I've noticed that I've already had somebody calling in, uh, 502-680. I'm not taking calls yet at the moment. Uh, we will be taking calls, as as promised. Um it's going to be about halfway through the show, about, 40, about 30, 40 minutes in. You can stay on the line and listen in. Not a problem. You'll be the first one I go to. But I'm just letting you know that way you don't think I'm kind of ignoring you. Um, but that's normally how it goes. Uh, but I do appreciate you calling in and listening to the show. And when we get to that point, I'll patch you in. But uh, Scott Diamond, when was the very first time, and this is my general question asked to every guest, um, when was the first time that you saw professional wrestling? Wow. Early well, memory. Tom, I'll tell you, my my first experience with professional wrestling wasn't actually seeing wrestling in the ring. What turned me on to professional wrestling, um, I was in the Atlanta airport in the summer of 1970, and there was a huge, huge gentleman in the airport, uh, you know, two, three rows standing in line, this ticket or whatever, uh, from my uncle and myself. We were flying from Atlanta to Cincinnati, and this gentleman a couple of rows over, he just looked so classy. He was a huge mountain of a man, 
long fur coat, big, real nice kind of, for lack of better words, gangster style, or, or back in the 70s we called it the Superfly style hat. Um, mm-hmm. And he had a real long white ivory pipe. And mm-hmm. Tom, when I seen that, I thought, you know what, I don't know what this guy does for a living. I don't know who this guy is. But he looks so sharp, so classy, so cool. Whatever he does, I want to get into. And so I look up to my uncle, who was um, considerably older than I was and knew who this gentleman was, and he says, well, that's that's the wrestling champion. That's Bobo Brazil. Wow. And, uh, very nice guy, you know, once, once uh, we found out who it was and I had expressed my feelings to my uncle about this guy, he... He went over, you know, and, and we asked uh, to shake his hand, autograph, and kind of all that stuff. And uh, mountain of a man, but uh, just as gentle and kind as could be. And from that moment on, I was hooked. Nice. All right. Um, so when did you have the opportunity to get into business? Am, am I correct in assuming that you first started out as an announcer? Because um, that, that was my first memory of you, of that, meeting you. My return to the business was uh, I returned as an announcer. I mm-hmm. um, When I was getting out of the Marine Corps and uh, my active duty was up in 87, I was uh, training to actually be a wrestler, you know, just like yourself. Uh, you and I knowing each other for a while. I, I know as a kid you loved it as I did, and then just as soon as uh, we had the opportunity, you know, although there were some great managers that wasn't our first instinct. It was to be a wrestler. And mm-hmm. uh, so in 87, as I was getting out, I had the opportunity to train um, with a guy who was a uh, runner-up on the Olympic wrestling team, uh, Mr. Steve White. And um, so I started training in 87 to become a wrestler. And, you know, family, kids, things like that come along. So I had to, to put that on the back burner. And then um, when I came back, um, I guess May of 2011, I came back in as an announcer. Um, I was at a venue, and um, just the announcing that they had really was was really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went to the promoter who had been asking me to come work for him anyhow, but I, I kind of thought my days were over, which I'm glad to find out they weren't. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, look, you know, um, you don't have an announcer, and I know you're not asking me to be your announcer, but I'll do this one week to show you I could do a much better job than these people are doing. And from there, I mean, that first week, the people embraced me. Um, I guess they, they liked the enthusiasm, the energy that I put out. And, and so the promoter came back the next week and he said, hey, you know, the, the people really love you. I, I would like to sign you on to work for us. And uh, kind of, as they say, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first memory of meeting you was when you – when you started uh, manage, not managing, but announcing at UWF, because the the announcer we had before then, he was okay, but he was nothing to write home about, in my opinion. Um, and you signed on, and I looked at the the owners, which everybody knows who the owners are, you know, Felly and Cooper. Right, right. <laughs> and right. Um, I, I was just like, you need to keep him. <laughs> he engages the people. He engages the people. And instead of just saying, yeah, uh, from such and such, you know, weighing, you know, 100 pounds, you know, here's this guy. And 
and you you, you kind of added a little pizzazz to it and made it feel like an event as opposed to yeah that that's it. this guy over here is fighting that guy over there and it's for this title and ring the bell and well, well thank you Tom I no problem that's very nice of you. when you know, did I you think st- um go ahead oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you go ahead go ahead but I I think Tom you know my belief is those folks are sitting out there. They're picking up on my vibes if I'm announcing, um, or, or any announcer for that matter. You know, mm-hmm. um, announcer, you know, the wrestling business, in my opinion, it's a puzzle, and each piece of the puzzle is very important, no matter how small that, that person thinks it is. The announcer is a very important piece of, uh, of that puzzle, just as the wrestlers, the referees, the managers, and, and, and whatnot. And so I feel like if you go out there and you're just going through the motions, those people are going to pick up on that. And if you just do that, they're not going to get into the wrestling card. Mm-mm, not at all. My job, I felt like as an announcer, was to get them pumped up and get them to the boiling point so that way when the matches started and they seen the hard-hitting action, I've already got them to the boiling point. They're excited. They're glad to be there. And when they when they see the action, then that takes them to the to boiling over part, to where they really just explode and and have a good time. And uh, I think that's what it's about. We want, uh, just as you and I did when we watched Saturday morning uh, wrestling, we want them to have a good time. And if we come out there and we just go through the motions, they're going to pick up on that, and then they're just going to go through the motions. And if we're not having a good time, they're not going to have a good time. Exactly. But at about what point did you make the transition from manager to uh, or from announcer to manager? Because I think that happened after I took a little hiatus from the business. Well, you know, really, Tom, it, it wasn't much. Um, it wasn't much longer after I'd come back in um, that I had started traveling, and um, you know, because although I had gotten out of the business, I still stayed very much in tune with it. Um, I've said even with being out of the business those few years, I had opportunities to to go to all the shows in in the surrounding states and really all over the country, um, and and sit down and talk with some greats, uh, Rick Flair, you know, Greg Valentine, and and some of the just some of the guys that were the cornerstones of our business, and so I was able to see what I felt would be somebody that had the it factor, if you will. And um, and I guess, you know, some promoters uh seen the same thing in me after I had come back. And so I just started making comments to this wrestler, that wrestler, or this promoter and that promoter. And before I knew it, you know, they were saying, hey, will you come over here and work with this guy or this girl because we need somebody with a mouthpiece and you're that mouthpiece. And um, so, you know, really, I guess, come back in May, I guess, of 2011, and by about October, I was in the managing scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and it, was pretty, it was a pretty quick transition. Now, although I did still stay announcing for about a year, um, and now and again, I still do like some benefit announce jobs or, or important Hall of Fame uh, shows and things like that, but um, it didn't take just a few months. Mm-hmm. Thank you, no, knock on wood. And one, and what some people in the business um, that attempt to be a manager, because there, as you you know as well as I, there are some really good managers, and there are some yes, not sir. so great. 
And <laughs> yes, sir. And one of the things that I noticed in the few times that I've gotten to watch you manage was a lot of managers don't realize that they're really, I mean, they are the star, but but at the same time they're not the star of the show. It's the guy that they're managing that they're presenting to the to the audience. And I've I've worked with some managers that they just they want the spotlight to be on them and not the guy that they're supposed to be presenting. And that was one thing when I watched that impressed me about you was the you you whether it be, you know, amazing Maria or Stan Sierra or whoever you were managing, you pretty much it was like you had them in the cup of your hands and you were showing them off to everybody. And that's one thing that impressed the hell out of me. Well, thank you again, Tom. Uh, you know, I think a good manager, that's his job. You know, I, I try to um, mold myself after a few guys that I have watched over the years. Um, you know, J.J. Dillon being one and Bobby Heenan being another. You know, you the true sense of the word manager, it's not self-promotion. A manager is working for an entity or a wrestler or whatever the case may be, if you will, to help better their career, either it be get their bookings or whatever the case may be. And so I feel that's my job. My job is to sell my product, and my product is the people that allow me to manage them. You know, um, you know, Tom, in our business, like you said, there's some managers that are good and there's some managers that are, that are not so good. Myself, those that are not so good, are the ones that come in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and do the wrestling cards. And then after Sunday night's over, Monday, they don't think about wrestling the rest of the week. I'm mm. a manager. If, if you know, like the Stan Sierras and, and the Frank the Tanks and stuff, when I manage a, a man or a woman, whatever the case may be, I do that seven days a week. I keep track mm-hmm. of their schedule just as well as I do my schedule. I sell them to every wrestling organization that I speak to. I don't sell myself. I sell a package, and I think that's that's the job of any good manager is to, to take that product that you have, make it the best product you can, and then sell it and promote it. Not promote yourself. Promote your product. You know, mm-hmm. again, your product being your Stan Sierras, your legendary Larry D's, and things like that. They are the product. They are the, the important thing there. That's really who these wrestling fans are coming to see. You know, they're coming to see two guys get up in the ring and beat the heck out of each other. And so I think a good manager, again, it's his job to promote that. You know, take a a good look, too, not in our business, but in boxing. Don King, what a promoter. This guy would have Mm -hmm. been a great wrestling manager. Yeah. But I I think that's our job, you know, and and I try to do that. Um, When somebody entrusts me with their their bookings and their careers, um, I try to sell them to the best of my ability. Yeah, I only got a chance to really work with you once, maybe twice, and I didn't get to work with you obviously as much as I wanted to, thanks to my lovely uh, knee. But uh, yeah, that knee, how's that knee going? It's doing good. It was. It, I was. Part of me was kind of worried about the Battle Royal at the Hall of Fame show. Uh, you know, just you know, it was second guessing. You know, is it going to be okay? And really, with the exception of throwing a kick to somebody, I, I think it was marvelous Marcus Johnson. I threw a kick, and it just it, there was a little pain in the side of it, and it said, "You're not ready to do all that yet." <laughs> and right. 
other than that, even going even going over the top rope, I was just like, I, of course, I kind of landed more on my left leg than I did my right, but still, it looked great. And you know, Slick Rick, he was in the locker room. He was worried about me once he heard you know about my knee. And I, I, after I, you know, I, I applauded Marcus for eliminating me, which he did a he did a good job. He he got the upper hand and reversed it. And I can't hold that against him. I can't say I wouldn't do the same. And I looked at Slick, and I just. Gave him a little thumbs up because <laughs> he had a look you on know, his face you, like I, he was about to faint. You you mentioned Slick Rick, and we were talking about pieces of the puzzle being important. Here's another guy. You know, I have watched Slick Rick for 20 years. Um, we we come from the same area. Here's a guy that he's an announcer for wrestling and, and other type sports, MMA and whatnot, and he too truly, truly is is great at what he does. You know, he embraces it, he's passionate, he's charismatic. Um, he, too, proves the point that, you know, if you have a good announcer, and Slick Rick is a very good announcer, if you have a good announcer, he can be that buffer in between your matches and still keep that audience hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Not as the match is over, then somebody wants to jump up and run to the bathroom. With a guy like Scott Diamond or Slick Rick announcing, when that matches over and that audience member goes, well, I think I may just run to the bathroom real quick. And then he hears Slick Rick, you know, doing his thing. It makes him sit back down in that chair and say, well, you know what? I'll wait till intermission. Yeah. And that's what a good announcer can do for you. I had, I've been in the business at the moment for about nine years. Um, and I, I come in of course after the heyday of the original MWA and, Chris Hayes NWA. Well, it was still going on, but it wasn't as big as it was before I got in. And I was trained by Rated X, Jimmy Walls. And he would tell me MWA stories whenever we would travel or we would be at the training building with me and the two other guys I broke in with. And he, one of the people he talked about was Slick Rick. And of course, I'd seen pictures, and the first thing I thought was, my God, it's a Diamond Dallas Page clone. <laughs> and, and, uh, I, the Hall of Fame show was actually the first time I had met him face-to-face. I had seen him before at a Georgetown show. I think he'd come up and watched one a few years ago back when I was still the, the mass superstar. And But this was my first time. And the, the only thing that came to my mind was how gracious he was. And yeah. and uh, I, I, me, Wildcat Chris Harrison, Bobby Blade was sitting at the table. And uh, Princess Patty, was we was talking and... He come up to talk to us, and and he asked Bobby. Said, now, "Bobby, what's the only reason we do this for?" And um, Bobby said, "The fans." And Slick was just like, "Oh, the fans!" And that to me, I was just like, "How gracious is this guy?" And he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God he, he he he. I love that man, and uh, he does get it. You know, uh, he really does. Bobby Blade and Slick Rick both two great great guys right there. Bobby was one of the first guys I'd met when I broke in. Guys that wasn't involved in training me. He also gave me my very first chop, and which <laughs> hurt like hell. Ow. <laughs> uh, I wore a handprint for about a week. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And when I got to work with Bobby in UWF, it was just, it, I mean, to me it was one of those, you know, I got excited. And mo- most time when I'm when I'm paired with a manager, most it's a spot show and – it's like, yeah, he's going to manage you. It's like, okay, let's go out and do it and come back. And I never see him or talk to him again. Well, Bobby, you know, they told me, yeah, he's going to be your manager for a while. I was just like, yes, because I knew there was 
nothing I, I can do but learn under him. And me and him fed off each other so much because there was a point where I was his bodyguard, and then there, then he started to manage me. And when he started to kind of, not going to say slack off, but he took time off from in-ring competing and just became solely a manager. And when when you're under the right person, you can do nothing but learn. And if you can't learn, that's that's your own fault. Very true, very true, because, you know, a good manager has got a good eye. He's on the outside of the ring. He can see many things that you don't see while you're in there working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thus is why I guess so many of us, myself included, uh, like to videotape a lot of stuff and watch it back because you can learn so much. It, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on in the ring and to be able to, you know, you, you can't catch everything. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good manager, a good eye like Bobby Blade on the outside of the ring, and you know, and you come back out of the match and you say, okay, let's go over it, He's going to see those things that you may or may not have missed and tweak those, and he's going to make you a better wrestler, which in turn is going to give you a better career in the long run. Mm-hmm. There's no substitute for experience, and a guy like Bobby Blade's got a lot of experience, and uh, anybody, anybody would be uh, fortunate to have him work as their manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I train out of that one. Yeah, out of that partnership, I gained a lifelong friend, which I'd always liked Bobby since before then. But, uh, and it was just amazing. Um, all right, so right now you are the current manager of the Diamond Cartel, and I'm assuming that the Diamond Cartel has been around pretty much since you start made that transition over to manager. Who were the original members, if you don't mind me asking? Well, like I said, I, I got into the managing about the October of that year uh, that I had come back. And my very first night out, I had not had the concept yet of the Diamond Cartel. I, I went to the IPW in Harlan, and uh, the folks down there seen me. Just just my look, the guy talked to me not even five minutes. And uh, I guess with the, the conversation that we had and, and the look, you know, uh, I dress very professional when I come to the ring. Um, And so with that, he said, you know, we're going to give you an opportunity to go out for a title. And so my very first night out, it was not with the Diamond Cartel, but as a manager, I went out and won the United States Heavyweight title in the IPW. And so after they seen that, um, some other guys had seen it, uh, Cody Matthews being the one that I'm referring to, and uh, he says to me, hey, you know, we've got a big match coming up against uh, the big dog Cujo and Sexy Stan Sierra when they had Big and Sexy running. And uh, he and Christian Skyfire at the time were tag team partners. And, uh, you know, with the big weight uh, and the size difference, they uh, they asked if I would come along and give them a little tutelage against this match against Big Sexy and uh, the big dog. And so I did, and so that was the original conception there in the USWF uh, of the Diamond Cartel uh, in November of, of that year, like I said, when I came back. So in November, uh, I went over to the USWF, uh, Cousin Jed's per- promotion over there with uh, Tony Matthews and Christian Skyfire and debuted the Diamond Cartel. And fortunately enough, we was able to come away with the win that night and the very first night of the conception of the Diamond Cartel, we come away with tag team champions, and we've held tag team gold and heavyweight gold uh, in every organization we've been in since. 
All right. Um, mainly right now, what promotions are you mainly working for besides UWF? Um, I work for UWF. Uh, I work for WCCW. I work for IPW, uh, SWF. I'm working for High Rollers there in Tennessee. Uh, now and again, I go up and do some work uh, for Sam and the guys in uh, Illinois up there. And we're also holding gold over in the UWA in Indiana. Um, and also I work down at the, the PWF uh, show, you know, with John Bullard and uh, those guys down there in Corbin. And I'm just uh, – I'm all over the map, Tom. Yeah. I, I actually uh, – Scott Diamond stays pretty busy. Uh, yes, sir, he does, you know. Uh, I feel very fortunate, you know, with the summer and the fair shows and things. I've been doing about three to five shows a week. And uh, so, again, I, I'm just fortunate that these companies uh, like what I do and uh, offer me the opportunity to come work for them. And then when they see uh, what we do firsthand, why we generally get a chance and an opportunity to go for the gold. And nine out of ten times, we've come home with it. Um mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say we've probably we've probably taken in fifteen to twenty belts this year alone. Awesome. That's and for a stable of wrestlers, that's a pretty good pretty good statistic to have on your side. Um, I'm you know I'm very fortunate. Uh, like I say, uh, I have the opportunity to work with some people that are very talented. Um, the mainstay of the Diamond Cartel right now is. Uh, Fancier and Frank the Tank, you know, we travel all over together, but uh, there are some areas, like the UWF, uh, that I have, you know, Johnny Bad. We hold the heavyweight title there together. Uh, Frank the Tank is also with me there. And then uh, at the IPW, as I mentioned earlier, we also have a guy that is very powerful, uh, very well-known, and has been in the ring with some of the best, and he's beaten some of the best. You know, he's beaten Jerry Lawler, and I'm, I'm speaking of a guy, uh, legendary Larry D. out of Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Frank and Stan are, are like I say, the mainstay, but I, I have, uh, again, in other areas, people like legendary Larry D and Johnny Bad that, uh, that are right there to help us and support us in our cause too. And that is to go out and win heavyweight championship gold and, you know, give the fans their money's worth. So I'm really fortunate to be surrounded with a great group of guys. And yeah, you are. Um, Frank is, has always been one of my more favorite opponents. Um, which we talked, me and you and Frank talked about this at the Hall of Fame show. And he was a guy, I first met him in Tennessee at, it used to be NWA main event. And it was a battle royal, and I just remember seeing him, and I'm in the corner. And, I mean, I'm a big guy, but my he made me look small. <laughs> and he come running over, and I was just like, oh, God, I'm going to die and it hit me with a splash to start the Battle Royal, and I was like, oh, my God. I was cringing, and I barely <laughs> felt him. <laughs> I barely, He's very I barely, good at what he does. Yes. And I was just like, oh, I'm still alive. Yeah. And then me and him would go on to have some I, – I think, actually, I recommended him to Cujo because UWF had only been around a year at this point when I met Frank, and I, he was one of the ones I recommended to Cujo. I'm just like, I mean, don't go by his size. Go, you know, watch him work, and you'll want him. And Jed did, and Jed did the same so. thing. And, you know, and, he, he wound up going in. Like you said, he did wind up, uh, Cujo contacted him, and uh, 
he wound up going into the UWF and uh, actually capturing the UWF heavyweight title. Yeah, I know. He took it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he, sorry, he, Tom. I, he also took I was my trying mask, not to mention too. no names. <laughs> he, he, he also took my mask, too. And that that was a very cool moment, too. Because um, I'd been the mask superstar forever and since I broke in. And I decided to put it all up on the line you know, to get my belt back. And it didn't really work out for me. <laughs> Um, I think I remember I was giving him the ten punches to the head on the turnbuckle, and he just he power bombed me out of that and pinned me one two three, and I was done. And when he took off the mask, you know, I had, there was about a hundred hundred fifty people in the crowd, and they just started chanting superstar because it was one of those you lose your mask, it's either the people are going to accept you or you're going to go away. And right, it turned out to be a really gr- cool great moment having victory and defeat. And me and him would actually go on to have a, a knockdown, drag out, brutal match at the uh, Wrestle Wars in June of 2012, I want to say. And, yeah, yeah, there in Stockville, I recall that. I believe and it was. me and him beat the living tar out of him. And I actually got my belt back. I choked him out. <laughs> great I match. Pin him. It was a great match. Because I couldn't no, pin Frank him. Frank is a guy. Uh... You know, it's very hard to keep him down, but you just got to beat him and beat him and beat him so he can't move because he doesn't know uh, he doesn't know what the word quit means. Mm-mm. And uh, if you don't choke him out or, or you know use the claw on him or something to disorientate him, uh, it, it is going to be very hard to pin him uh, because again, his size, very powerful man, uh, and, and with the agility of a cat. I mean, here's a guy, Frank the Tank, that in my opinion, you. You haven't seen a guy as agile and as big as he is, I think, since, you know, Bam Bam or, uh, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow or, you know, you look at Bam Bam Gordy. I mean, those guys were big, and, and they had the agility as well, Ernie the Cat Lad. But, you know, mm-hmm. there was a big break in between there. And then, you know, you had the big show come along. But you just don't see a guy like Frank come along too often that's so huge and it can get him in that ring and just, I mean, he flies over the top rope. Uh, yeah. We we just defended our titles last night uh, over here in Clarksville, Indiana at the UWA. And I'm telling you, we have a move called the Diamond Excavator, which starts out like a slapjack. And he continues on over into like a German suplex. It's just devastating. And he does it with just such ease and grace, you know, to take a 200-pound man and to sling them around like it's just uh, a yo-yo on your finger, that really is uh, that's amazing to watch, and, and that's the that's the talent that Frank has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if for the people out there listening, and I'm checking the chat room, and we got a couple people in the chat room, and for the people that's listening in, if you want a sample of how strong Frank the Tank is in 2012. I was it was in UWF this time I was I was wrestling him I, I I can't remember if it was any type of special match but I think it was just a regular match he clotheslined me so hard I did a back I did a backflip off the clothesline and I re, I was being managed by Jim Chadwick at the time God rest his soul and I another heard great manager let me just not to interrupt you but let me just say ahead. another great great guy right there and he's very missed. Uh, Jim Chadwick, you know, he's an inspiration to any manager, not only in the state of Kentucky, but any guy or gal 
that is thinking about coming into the wrestling business as a wrestling manager, I would encourage you to go and look up some footage of Jim Chadwick on YouTube and uh, that guy show you how it's done. Mm-hmm, definitely. But I heard Chadwick, after I come to, go, holy shit, he killed you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, uh-huh. <laughs> And I don't remember who won or lost that match, but it, I just that's that's the one thing that stands out was he pretty much clotheslined me out of my boots. And if you if Frank the Tank is wrestling on the town near you, people, I suggest you go see it because you'll definitely get your money's worth. Same with Scott Diamond. If Scott Diamond's on the card, you will get your money's worth. I want to ask you one more question, and then we're going to go ahead and take some calls because I've got I've got two people in in the ch- on the switchboard waiting patiently. One is the 502 number, and then there's a 606 number, and they've just been waiting and waiting, and we're going to get to them. But if you are at a show and you see an up-and-coming manager and you know he's not been in the business very long, he may not even have debuted, what would be the one piece of advice you would give him? In front of the mirror so that you can see it. Because if you don't like it, the people aren't going to like it. You know, I have a lot of youngsters that ask me, about cutting promos and things like that and, and how to do that, and, you know, and the announcing. And I tell them that every time, and they, they chuckle at me. Mm-hmm. The time I'm telling you, is as silly as it may seem, if you go stand in front of the mirror and you call a card just like you're standing in front of 10,000 people, your facial expressions, your body language, your emotions, you have to look at that and you have to believe what's coming out of your mouth. If you're not feeling it, like I was saying earlier, and you're just going through the motions, you can see that if you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You don't want to go and do that at a show. You want to look in that mirror, and you want to just be as excited at what you're watching as what you're doing. And mm-hmm. uh, I think if you can if you can practice in front of the mirror, and you can get, again, your your emotions, your body language, your facial expressions, to go all along with what you're saying, you're going to put out a good product. And once you see mm-hmm. that in the mirror, then you'll be able to take that and apply it at a show. Because if you can't stand what you're looking at or what you're doing, you know, if you're watching yourself do it and you don't like it, believe it, the people are not going to like it. Because these people, they pay their hard-earned money and they don't want to throw it away. They want to be entertained. And they're very um, they're brutally honest, if I may say. If yeah. you go out there and you're not giving them a good product, they will let you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen uh, I've seen announcers and manager and, and wrestlers too, booed slick out of the ring. And, uh, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to go out there and uh, do the best you can. And if you don't practice, you're not doing the best you can. Practice, practice, yep. practice. And another thing, and, and this is the thing that when you said that that brought to my mind, it's one thing I think a lot of wrestling promos, whether it be on the big stage, WWE, or just at an indie show, I think a lot of them sometimes lack conviction. You have to believe what you're selling. Because if, if you don't yeah. believe it, they don't believe it. There was times I had felony freaked out because I was cutting a promo. I want to say it was on Larry or somebody. I can't remember. but it was, And, and I, I started to tear up and everything. And she was just like, I thought you were for real. And I was just like, Conviction, honey. If 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 I don't believe it somewhere in my brain, they're not going to believe it. And That's right. it works. What it, it works. Conviction works. 
All right, we're going to. Go ahead. I've, I've got a, you know, a lot of promos on my wall, and, and I think one of the best. Uh, we did a show one night with Rikishi, and uh, we were going up against the Voice over here in Lawrenceburg, and uh, which that night didn't turn out too good for me. They took a wooden spike to my head and cost me three stitches. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, as they're trying to get me, they get me to the locker room and trying to clean me up and whatnot. I cut a promo onto there, which you know. Again, like you're saying, conviction. If you watch this promo, that's what conviction's all about. You know, um, you have you have to shoot w- with all you got. You know, you just cannot hold back. Um, and of course, in a situation like that, you're not thinking of holding back anyway. But uh, I think if you go back to September of of last year and look at that promo and some other promos, Ace Tribal and myself, you know, we used to travel to Virginia's and work over there in BTW. And, uh, again, over there, very emotional promos. Uh, Stan Sierra and myself, the same. You have to feel it. You have to believe it because if you don't feel it and believe it, nobody else will either. And when you're sitting there with blood running out of you or, or you know, black and brew mar- uh, bruises all over you, you know, that's the proof in the pudding. So uh, you got to express how you feel about somebody putting those those that damage on to you. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott, are you ready to take some calls? I, I welcome the calls, Tom. All right. Before I before we I start patching people in, I have general rule um, for time constraints, and so I can get everybody on because we've got three people waiting in line plus another that I know wow. that I knew was going to call in beforehand. Um, two questions is is to you your best questions and then so we can move it along and get everybody in and then we're going to play some wrestling word association um and i'm going to try a new feature for this if you are in the chat room you can add two names to my list if they are already on my list you will hear it It, because i have i already have about i already have about 10 12 names on my list and if you want to add any on that you can all right, our first caller, he has been on the, on hold the entire show. He has been on hold for 37 minutes. Area code 502-680. You are on the air. Yes, hello. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, Ace Tribo. <laughs> Hey, Ace, how you doing, my friend? We were just talking about you. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I was calling in to see how you were doing. I seen the blog chat, and uh, I wanted to see how the Diamond Cartel compared, uh, uh, how you feel about yourself and the cartel uh, going further than just the indie uh, shows, and maybe thinking about taking it a step further, maybe a TNA to OVW to... You know, somewhere because, you know, when you were managing me, one of the things that I always looked at, even when you were announcing, was uh, you had what it took, the it factor. And that's uh, that's what a lot of people miss. If you don't have the it factor, you don't have the charisma, you don't have the heart, you don't have the drive, you don't have the fortitude, there, there's no sense even trying it. You had all that. I noticed that when you were announcing. And Thank do you, you have any – Thank you. are welcome. Do you have any um, – uh, thoughts about taking it a step further to another level? Well, um, 
actually, Ace, just last month, I, I started doing some TV taping in Indiana, and um, I would love to take it farther. Again, I think uh, I have the opportunity uh, – to work with some great people, and I think some of those people have that ick factor as well that you were talking about um, to take it to the next level. And um, so I, I'm hoping that maybe this TV uh, tapings that we're doing right now will be that stepping stone to get us to that next level. Um, and so I want to throw out there real quick, too, the TV taping, it airs Saturday, September the 27th at 1 p.m., right behind the OVW TV program. Um, it's on Louisville 21 or 27. It's Time Warner 185. But uh, the show will debut. It's called UWA Throwdown. And uh, this guy Diamond is, is going to be promoting the Diamond Cartel uh, each week on the television right behind the XAD OVW. So uh, hopefully, Ace, that will give us that stepping stone that we need to get to the next level because I truly think that uh, we've got a good product. and. Uh, I think we could. We've got what it takes to take it farther for sure. Sweet, sounds good. One more question: uh, what, what would you say to guys that would approach you and want to be in the Diamond Cartel? Uh, what would you tell them that they have to have uh, to be part of the Diamond Cartel? Because you know, I've, I run across a lot that's asked me, you know, where I was in the Diamond Cartel, and I believe once you're in the Diamond Cartel, you're always, in, you know, in the Diamond Cartel. You're Diamond Cartel party. for life, baby. Diamond exactly. Cartel for life. <laughs> exactly. And what and um, what would you what would you tell these guys that they got to have? Because I mean, just it just nobody can, uh, uh, not just anybody can be in, a, in you know, in a faction uh, that's no. so good uh, that wherever they go, they take over, and. It, you know, what would you tell these guys that they got to have? Passion. You have <laughs> to have a passion and a love and a drive for what you do. You know, I I probably, Ace, I probably have 20 people or more a week come to me and say, I want to be a part of the Diamond Cartel. Not everybody has what it takes. And I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. We have a good product. I believe in it, but I'm not trying to boast. I'm saying the people yourself the people that have been or now currently in the Diamond Cartel, they are very passionate about professional wrestling. They're very passionate in what they do, and so that gives them that drive to be the best that they can be. I don't want a guy or a gal, if you will, that wants to go out on Saturday night and do a wrestling card and then forget about wrestling the other six days of the week. I don't want that guy. I live, breathe, sweat wrestling seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I wake up sometimes at night, maybe a dream or something, and I'll write something down on a notepad on my nightstand. I think about wrestling 24-7, and I'm very passionate about it, and I try to do the best that I can do. And so if you want to be in the Diamond Cartel, first you have to check yourself and see if you have that passion to do this seven days a week, not just want to be – a guy or a gal that comes out and laces the boots up because he wants to go out in front of his friends and his family and look like a hero. I'm not looking for a hero. I'm looking for a guy or a gal that believes that he wants to work harder each day and not live on his accolades from the past. He wants to continue mm -hmm. to get better and be passionate about getting better and holding gold and being the best. That's what I look for. 
Sweet, sweet. There's not that much. Yeah, I will listen to you guys. Well, hey, hey, it's really good talking to you. Uh, You know what? Let me say, too, on the air to all the folks that don't know, Ace Tribo just recently uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Ace. Uh, It was a privilege our time together, and uh, I look forward to working with you more in the future. Thank you, brother. Congratulations, man. I, I heard about it too. All right, Thank I'm gonna you, put man. you. I'm gonna put you back on hold. That way, if you want to continue listening, you can. Um, thank you for calling in. All right, you're welcome. All right, we got still got three more people. I had I had another one call. Uh, we're gonna go with the longest wait time. It's area code six zero six nine seven five. You are on the air. Yeah, I hear all this talk about you. I'm your greatest adversary there, Mr. Diamond. You've affected and taken over the SWF here lately. Uh, you tore up a whole company, and I will say that you got the flash, you got the cash, and you got the dash, but Tommy Ray is still looking for you. This is my interview time, and I don't know what you're doing calling in trying to interrupt me, but I'm in a good mood. I'm trying to have a good time with my friend Tom Wing. And Tommy Rage, don't you do anything to spoil it because, pal, somewhere down the line, I'm going to see you again in Irvin, and I'm going to put my boots so far up in you. Oh, Lord. You know, yeah, that, that, that's what you keep saying. That's what you keep saying. But I, and I will admit, you got some bad guys, dude. That, that, that Stan Sierra, that Frank Tank, man, they put the whooping on me, and I ain't going to lie in Winchester, Kentucky. They, they put me down. But, you know, but they didn't let me get a hold of you, and, and, and you're who I really want. And in Irving, yeah, yeah, you got it coming on down there. Yeah, you go ahead and laugh, Mr. Diamond. Yeah, you got it coming down, and it's going to go down. Tommy Rage, my lawyer will be with me on October the 3rd. So, pal, all this other stuff will be clouded up. Look, I don't walk around and talk. Just like if you'd have been listening to Tom Wing and myself, I do this seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I employ lawyers to look after my best interests. And come October the 3rd, He'll be with me. And all this other funny stuff you're pulling, you know, that's going to be out the door because money talks and BS walks, and my money pays the best lawyers. And, you know, I, that's I, I'm not trying to work no wrestling gimmick. That's a straight shoot, as we call it in the wrestling business. I have a lawyer on retainer that all I got to do is say, hey, this is where I'm going to be. They're trying to play some funny stuff. He looks at the paperwork. He knows what he's talking about, and he'll be there October the 3rd. So, your time is up, pal. Your time is up. Well, you, you just keep thinking that. And, you know, you talk about that seven days a week. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Since I met you, Scott Diamond, I have done nothing but keep my eyes open 24-7, seven days a week, looking for ways to make your life a miserable, and I'm not going to say it on big-time radio, but you know what I'm talking about. And it's coming, and it's going to go down, and you can bet you won't take the company. You got her now, but I will get it back. All right. You know, Sounds like some... I wish I had a nickel for every time that somebody said that. <laughs> you know, I'm not a dumb man. I wouldn't be at the top if I was a dumb man. That's why I have this lawyer to watch my best interest. I'm not going to say I'm the smartest man when it comes to paperwork, but I run with some bad dudes that if we can't do it the legal way and I can't buy it, we just beat you up and take it. And that's what's going to happen to this guy right here. He gets under my skin. Oh, Lord. Well, that sounds like some strong words from both sides, but I'm going to have to – I hate to do it, but we only got about 13 minutes left, and I got two other people in line, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to kind of cut it short. Um, cut, I, cut him off anyway, Tom. He ain't nothing <laughs> but a piece of trash. 
He's still on. The, he he's still listening, but he's on. I had to put him on hold so I can get to my next one. Um, call appreciate up. I'm you trying to have a good time. He makes me mad. I hear you. I appreciate you calling in. All right, our next call from is six five one three eight eight. You are on the air, and I'm gonna have to just try to stick with one question because we're we're starting to run, run low on time. Hello. Six five one three eight eight. You're on the air. I think they fell asleep. See that Tommy Rage? They he got on there and they heard him and thought it was a different show nope. and they hung up. Yeah, he just he just hung up. All right, I know who's call who's on the line next, and I'm going to tell you, Scott. He is one of my most loyal listeners. He calls in every show I got. He is to me. He's one of the best wrestling fans there is, bar none. And I've got it to now where I recognize his number whenever it pops up. Andrew Browning, you are on the air. Hello, Mr. Diamond. Tom, you know what? I think I'd rather go back to the Tommy Rage guy. This (laughs) guy, Andrew Browning. (laughs) You know, this Andrew Browning, first of all, I want to give him credit where credit is due. He is a diehard wrestling fan. He is, you know, the foundation of our business, fans like him. But let me tell you, this guy, you know, no matter where I go, he follows me. No matter what radio show I do, he finds out, he calls in and bugs me. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's kind of like going to your family's house during the holidays and you just got one or two of those sniveling kids that are just brats that just get under your skin and, and you just, you know, you, you try to shake them off your leg, but every, at every turn, there they are. That's the oh, way right. Andrew Browning is to me. This guy, every time I turn around, he's right there. I oh, think I should man. start claiming him on my taxes. Yeah, get your little tax slice off of it. Help fuel the Diamond Cartel just a little bit more. All right, Andrew, you got a question? Uh, I guess I got a question for Mr. Diamond. So, Scott Diamond, what was what was the best the manager of your career in the uh, wrestling business? Who was the best person that I managed, or who that I liked the best, or what was the question exactly? Who you who you managed? Sorry. Wow, Andrew. You know it would be hard to pick out a best because I have managed some great people. Um, you know, I, I've. It's kind of like your kids. You kind of can't really say you you love love one more than the other. Kind of would be my right. Guess. I, I mean. Uh, Right, Tom. I mean, I have really been so fortunate that uh, uh, I've got to say, uh, you know, Stan and I are very close. Uh, you know, we we have dinner together. We've broke bread many times, and we've we've been very successful and, and won many titles together. Uh, Frank the Tank again, another guy that uh, we've broke bread together. We've been up and down hundreds of miles on the road, won many championships together. Um, I mean, it's just really hard to pick one because I've been so fortunate to work with some great, great talent. Um, you know, we just spoke to Ace Tribo, uh, mm-hmm. 22 time heavyweight champion. Uh, I'm working right now with Johnny bad again, multiple time champion. Johnny bad. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's hard to pick out any one person, um, that I've managed. I mean, I've managed picture perfect Jordan cage, another great superstar. Um, you know, I would I would have to say I can't pick out any one best. I can only say that all of these people combined 
have made uh, me a lot of money, and they've made me a very happy guy to have uh, the opportunity to work with them. You know, uh, it's a privilege that uh, a guy like myself can say that I've been to seven states with uh, talented, talented people that uh, I'll never forget. So I really can't pick out just one, though. All right. Well, Andrew, um, on behalf of me and all wrestlers everywhere, we all see we all see your videos you post, and we just want to tell you how much of a cool cat you are, and we appreciate you coming and supporting the wrestling shows, um, coming on here and you know talking to the people that you get to you, you get to watch every week, and we appreciate everything you do, man. Now you're more than welcome, and I'll see you back on October fifth, Mister Scott Diamond. Drew, I will be there October the 5th, and let me tell you, I've got some surprises in line for you. And so I just want to give you a little advice, though. You are a great wrestling fan, but you need to wake up and smell the coffee and start supporting the Diamond Cartel because we are the best thing in professional wrestling today, and you know it. You know I'm wearing my Dolph Ziggler pink shirt right now. Tom, cut him off. Cut him off right now. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew, for calling in, buddy. Enjoy Raw. I know it's getting ready to come on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Scott. Oh, and by the way, um, I thought I'd let you know, Dolph Ziggler lost last night. Yeah, (laughs) I already know it. You already know that. He's getting his rematch next time. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Oh, you're welcome. Great kid. kid. Somebody just needs to stop giving him so much candy. Yeah. All right, we got seven minutes left, so we're going to try to fill the last six of them with the Wrestling Word Association. What you've probably, you've, I know you've heard to some of my podcasts before. It's pretty general. I say a name, you say the first thing that comes to your brain. All right, and I'm Don't going make to start too hard out. on me, Tom. Uh, uh, this time, <laughs> I've, I've I've been accused of not preparing for this, and yeah, and it's true. I'll, halfway through, I'll run out of people. But what I did today was I sat down and actually typed out a list. So, you know, we could possibly run, that we can run through. If we don't get to all of them, it's okay. I do plan on having you on again. Um, and I'll get with you on the details of that. Um, so, so here we go. Bobby Blade. Bobby Blade. Let me tell you, here's a guy that I truly love. I love Bobby Blade like he was my brother. Best facials in the business of professional wrestling right there. Bobby Blade could tell a story without ever opening his mouth. Great guy, very deserving. I want to say congratulations to him, too. Just recently put into another Hall of Fame. I believe now he's a he's a part of three Hall of Fames. And uh, great, great guy. I love my time in the ring with Bobby Blade. Uh, we had a great connection. And uh, I miss that guy. I, I, uh, I wish him the best in his retirement, but I miss Bobby Blade, and I love him to death. Mm-hmm. This, this, the business actually suffers without him. Not, not told him that. Um, Felony Fox. Felony Fox, the cat. Well, you know, this girl, we have been round and round. She has, you know, she's very high strung. She's very good at what she does. She accepts no less than uh, the best and uh so at times when people cross her path and it doesn't go her way, you have a fight on your hands. And um, that's kind of where her and I go. We have a love-hate relationship. You know, um, I think she's a cornerstone in, in women's wrestling uh, in this area. 
She's done a lot of great things for women's wrestling. Uh, and again, you know, although her and I don't always see eye to eye, I want to say congratulations to her too. She was just recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very deserving. Um, you know, I think any young lady that wants to get into professional wrestling, if uh, if you look at the dedication that Felony Fox had, you know, with her Vicious Vixens, you just watch Vicious Vixens and, and, and you know, the steps that she took to get there and you'll be a fine female wrestler because she is a, she's a good example uh, of what it takes to be a female wrestler. You know, the hard work, um, just getting all the stars aligned, if you will. Um, she's a very uh, tough competitor. Um you know, you got to take your hat off to them. Her and Cujo have been running the UWF consecutively now for the last four or five years every week, which is very tough to do to run a wrestling show every week. So um, a real tough gal, let me tell you. I, I take my hat off to her. Like I said, although we don't see eye to eye all the time, mm-hmm. I give her her props and I take my hat off to her. Very tough gal. All right. Next name, Stevie Phillips. Stevie Phillips. Here's another guy. Love him to death. And let me tell you, we're talking about passionate for this business. There's not a guy in professional wrestling today that is more passionate about what he does in the ring than Stevie Phillips. The voodoo child is second to none. He's main event. I don't care if it's WWE, UWF, UWA, WCW, TNA. Stevie Phillips, main event, class act. He is the epitome of what a professional wrestler should be. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. All right. All right. Next name is Amazing Maria. Amazing Maria. Again, here's a gal with tenacity. You know, she's on the shelf right now. Just went mm-hmm. through yeah, some reconstructive uh, surgery. Her and I have been all over the country together as well, all over the state of Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana. Um, she's a tough, tough gal. And, again, she, is, she was a, a mainstay in the Diamond Cartel until she was just recently put on the shelf. Um Holds women's titles all over the place. Very tough gal as well. She is passionate. She has that passion for this business uh, that I was talking about earlier, and that's why she has been, again, a mainstay in the Diamond Cartel for the last couple of years now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I don't and think she's going to stay on the shelf. And on behalf of Off the Rails Radio, we just want to wish Amazing Maria um, a fast and speedy recovery. Because I've seen the pictures of her surgery, and they look pretty gruesome. <laughs> they and, do look gruesome. I've seen her and, the night before she went into surgery. And uh, whew. And the only thing I could think of after seeing that was that was almost me. <laughs> oh. All right, I got one more name for you, and then we're going to take it to the house. So let's. Uh, we got about a minute and 40 seconds left. So Cujo. The big dog Cujo. Here's a guy, too, you know what, I respect what he does. Um, he and I have not always seen eye to eye. You know, we go round and round sometimes. We're having a little problem right now. Um, I kind of felt like I came back to the UWF there uh, last year, and um, Felony and Cujo joined the Diamond Cartel along with Stan Sierra, who was already a part of the cartel. We had a good thing going, and I felt like they, they turned their back on me for the fans. And, uh, you know, some folks need the fans, and it and it works for them, you know. If the fans like me, that's okay. But if they don't, to me, that's okay, too. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, the big dog, he has the UWF and, and, you know, 
So with him trying to be the businessman and the wrestler, he kind of went with what the fans were saying and turned his back on me. So I respect what he does in the ring, but we just don't see eye to eye when it comes to uh, what's important in the ring. I think mm-hmm. what's important in the ring is to go out and do the best, but not care whether the fans like your persona per se or not, as long as you give them your all in a good show. You know, they don't. Mm-hmm. Have, you can give them a good show without them liking your techniques. Mm-hmm. He, all right. And he wants fans to like him. Yep, I understand. All right, Scott, I want to thank you for being being on um, Off the Rails Radio tonight. It's been a pleasure having you on. Well, Tom, I thank you very much. You know, uh, it's a pleasure for you to have me. I, I'm just humbled for the fact that someone would even want to uh, take their time out of their day to speak to Scott Diamond. I uh, So I appreciate that. Um, and also the kind words about being a United States Marine because I am a United States Marine, and it's, it's very personable to me. I take it very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the most important things I've ever done. And so I thank you for all that, and I thank the fans that do support the Diamond Cartel. And if you have an opportunity, come on out and see the Diamond Cartel. We're all over the place. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will get your money's worth. All right. Well, Scott, I want I, I do want to have you on again, and I will I'll get in touch with you over the next couple of days about that because um, I I'm probably going to take next week off from pop, from my podcast, and then we're going to be back in two weeks with a brand new podcast, and I will get in touch with you, bud. Well, Tom, anytime. I thank you for having me, and I'd be glad to do it anytime again. And uh, to the fans out there, keep listening to Off the the Rope Radio. Tom Winnie is doing uh, Off the Rail Radio. I'm sorry is doing a great job. If you want to get some information on your wrestlers in the local area, right here's the place to do it. I appreciate it, man. Godspeed. Thank you, Tom, and good evening. All right, everybody, that has been another episode of Off the Rails Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great night. Sometimes it can be much harder when you feel like you're becoming a target. Gotta embrace the fools, I let them all know that they're looking in the mind of a monster. Looking for anybody who wanna regard them. I don't want any money, I wanna leave them hard. I just wanna tell them if I had them my way, you'd have never had a motherfucking heart to start with. Let's go, and anybody show me. This is the smell of a warm three day old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.